Hey guys, and Happy New Year. I'm super excited for this week's episode, the first one of the year, because today we're going to focus on mental health. Despite how important our mental health is, we tend to look past it and compromise it quite often rather than acknowledging and facing it. Now more than ever, it's vital that we take the time to check in on ourselves and make sure we're doing okay, both physically and mentally. Unfortunately, there tends to be a lot of stigma surrounding mental health, causing it to go unheeded, but today we're going to cross these boundaries. We have a special guest, Dr. Ankur Saraya. Dr. Saraya is an esteemed psychiatrist based in North Carolina. We had an interesting discussion about mental health, both generally and in regards to COVID-19. So please sit back, relax, and take a listen. All right. So shall we get started? Yes, let's do it. So first question, in society today, there tends to be a lot of stigma surrounding mental health illnesses, causing people to be ashamed or self-conscious about whatever it is that they may be dealing with and leading them to therefore hold all of their feelings in. Um, What do you have to say to these people and how can they work towards overcoming these barriers? Well, first, let me say that I'm, I'm really glad that you asked me this question, and I'm really glad that it's the first question, because this is actually, to me, the biggest challenge in my practice. Oh, really? Um, you know, I, I think that one thing that people don't necessarily know is that in terms of how effective uh, mental health treatment is, it's actually really effective if you compare it to other areas of medicine. Okay. Our track record in psychiatry is, is um, you know, near the top, you know, kind of looking at all areas of medicine. Mm-hmm. So the, the biggest issue and the reason that there, I think, is this sense that, um, you know, that that's not the case is largely because of stigma. You know, when we have all this data about our successes, for some reason, that's not very interesting. But then when Harvard comes out with a study that says antidepressants don't work, um, that, you know, is on the headlines for a few weeks. And people have take away this impression that, you know, our our treatments aren't really that effective Mm -hmm. anyway. But that's that's far from the case. So the biggest thing that gets in the way is uh, people not seeking treatment. And I think it's related to what's behind your question, which is that this sense of shame and stigma around um, asking for help. So what I would have to say to people is is that, is that we have very effective treatments um, and they largely work and, you know, various medications are widely prescribed. Many, many people are benefiting from them and they go quietly about their way. So uh, I would just encourage people to, you know, I, I don't have any kind of magic strategy to get people past it, but I, I hope that, you know, through more information being out through podcasts like this, mm-hmm. uh, I hope that people, uh, you know, find uh, the comfort that they need to, to go ahead and uh, seek help uh, when they feel they need it. Yeah, that I think that makes a lot of sense. I can understand why some people might be um, sort of reluctant to go, but I think what you said definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, for the next question, so during these difficult times, people are facing all types of challenges, whether it be from stress from school or financial difficulties. In your professional experience, what effect has COVID had on teenagers' mental health and how detrimental are these effects? 
So I can think about this question in almost two different polar extremes, meaning there's your question about what effects these specific COVID times have had on teenage mental health. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's just an extension of, you know, when there's an increase in stress in general, we do see that that tends to, uh, you know, as I think is intuitive, you know, when things are more difficult and there's more stress, people will suffer more stress and anxiety and possibly depression mm-hmm. during that time. So in that sense, there's nothing different about COVID times. It's just a, it's just a, an example of an increased stress level. Oh. On the other hand, there's, there's no way to, to really say that this is not a unique time. I mean, the combination of the political upheaval mm-hmm. and the extreme limitations caused by COVID, and in particular for teenagers because of the impact on school and the changes in the way that teenagers are, you know, learning. I mean, remotely yeah. and if they are going in person, having to take precautions and wear masks and uh, social distance and, you know, not have the same kind of interaction with their peers. I think that is causing a, a unique kind of stress in these particular times. And again, you know, when there's more stress, there's going to be um, uh, increased levels of anxiety and depression. And kind of linking it to your first question, I would say, I hope that, you know, teenagers are using this as a, as a reason to go ahead and seek help because it is a stressful time and everybody yeah. recognizes that. In terms of how detrimental the effects are, I think only time will tell. I think it is a, a unique time, especially because it's, you know, it, it's already been going on for almost a year. Well, yeah, eight or nine months already. And, and that's going to continue for at least that long, probably going forward. So the fact that it's an extended uh, period of time and, and, you know, no definitive resolution in sight, mm-hmm. I think is going to continue to propagate the effect. So I think in a certain sense, only time will tell. Yeah. And I can, I feel like I can definitely relate to that in this week in particular. Um, I hadn't gone to school. We do have like a hybrid sort of schedule and I hadn't gone to school for at least two weeks and I was supposed to go Thursday and Friday, but I felt like if not anxiety, almost like a certain dread just going to school. And it got so bad that I just stayed home and did everything remote. Wow. Yeah. So I feel like as a teenager, I can certainly relate to a lot of what you're saying. And similar. That's interesting. That's something I didn't think about because, you know, my kids are so young that I make all the decisions for them. Mm -hmm. So they don't really have to think about it in that extra level. But now that you bring it up, I realize that for teenagers, they're obviously old enough to understand the implications of yeah what's going on and potentially, you know, coming down with COVID and everything else. So there probably is that extra layer of decision making where I'm sure they're getting, you know, parents are obviously very interested and involved. But um, as you pointed out, you know, you can have your own specific feelings and and thoughts Mm -hmm. about it so yeah it's another layer of stress like just deciding you know your own choices yeah that's another another thing on your list of stressors Mm -hmm. so along with that as a teenager that is also active on social media i have 
seen a lot of both positive and negative impacts of it on various aspects of my life. Um, how do you think social media has impacted the mental health of teenagers in general? And do you think COVID has caused these impacts to be more severe? So I am no expert on social media, so I, I can I can speculate, but this is not on any expertise. Okay. But uh, what I would say is that uh, it's such a big question that we don't really know. And I think that when you frame the question in terms of what impact social media has on mental health, there's a tendency to think about the downsides, which is completely understandable. And I think yeah. we do have to worry about, um, you know, almost like an addiction to social media. And I think mm -hmm. that that is, that is the thing that I first thought about when you posed this question is, you know, is there an addictive nature? And, and we know that the companies that are driving content, I mean, they're specifically trying to get uh, people's attention. I mean, that's, yeah. how they, that's how they make money, is selling ad revenue. So they're actively trying to addict um, all of us to social media. And I think that's the way that I think about it is that, is it rising to the level of an addiction? Do you feel compelled to check your phone and check your various accounts, you know, in situations where you might be better off giving your full attention to other things, you know, whether it's in school or even in social situations, if you're having dinner with friends, you know, is it better if you all put your phones away and just interact with each other okay, versus, yeah. you know, sending messages kind of in between and, and mm -hmm. during meal and stuff. So, um, I think there's no doubt that there has, there's got to be a massive impact, but, um, but what I was starting to say is that, you know, that there's probably, there, I imagine that there's some upside to being able to access news and information and stay connected to people. So yeah, weighing the balance of the two sides, I think is something that is a big area of interest. And I, I, generally aware that there's lots of studies out there. Uh, I'm not that familiar with them, but mm -hmm. uh, so I think those are the two things I would highlight, I would say, is that we shouldn't forget that there's going to be pros and cons to social media use. Um, but the, <clears throat> the way that I filter thinking about the downside is, you know, through the lens of addiction. Okay. I know I can, I think I can personally say that since um, quarantine has started, I've definitely noticed my phone use go up, especially now that school is virtual. There's no such, you know, like cameras aren't necessary. So your teachers can't always see what you're doing. And yeah. I tend to reach for my phone much more often at home during school than I would in class. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Yeah. And I understand that you said, obviously, you're not um, an expert on any social media thing. But in general, do you have any like advice about maybe how to go about social media use or what's good for children? Or teenagers? Um, I, I just think alluding to what I said before is just try to be mindful of what the opportunity cost is of, of social media use. So in other words, you know, if you are interacting with people in person, just be aware of your tendency to be paying attention to your phone. So think about that. Like think about, okay, I'm, I'm, deciding to be with these people in person, maybe I should turn my phone off yeah. 
and and you know it's okay if you're away from your social media accounts you know mm-hmm. for an hour or for two hours or whatever the case may be like you know when you're sleeping you don't check your phone for five six hopefully longer more like seven or eight or nine hours <laughs> yeah uh, and so if you're you know in a situation where you can't necessarily get right back to people or even just check your social media it's going to be fine and so to actively think about you know do I want to be tethered to my phone or does it make more sense for me to, um, you know, turn it off and, and really be with the people that I'm, yeah. that I'm with or, or even if you're not with people, like you're just doing something, like really just focus on your activity. And so that that's what I would say is just be mindful of, um, of how you're interacting with your phone and, and your social media. Thank you. That makes, I definitely understand that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And for the final question, um, what would you recommend to any age group dealing with mental health disorders and especially now during these trying times? So my advice for all age groups is focus on the very basics of health. The same things that we do for our physical health apply to mental health. So that's diet, sleep, exercise. Um, So if you want to sort of at, at any time, if you find yourself, um, you know, dealing with extra, extra anxiety or uh, low mood, or you just want to kind of, you know, improve your health, I would just go through that checklist. Can I improve my diet? Can I improve my sleep? And can I do, uh, you know, improve my exercise regimen? I think there's there's always going to be something in at least one of those three areas that you can tweak. Mm-hmm. And um, whatever investment you put in any of those three areas, you're going to see the benefits in terms of your mental health. And I think that there's nothing, I, I guess the one thing that I might add to that uh, during these current trying times is social connection. So I think making an extra effort to make sure that you're having contact with uh, friends and family on a regular basis. Okay. Uh, you know, there's probably, you know, for, you know, there's going to be our immediate people that we live with and that, that interaction is probably increased in general since we're generally more stuck at home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, beyond those immediate family connections, like keeping in contact with uh, friends and, and extended family. So that's what I would add to the usual diet, sleep and exercise. Okay. I think that's really good. That's all I have for today, but I, personally say I've really enjoyed that and I think I learned a lot. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, You're very welcome. All right. I think that's all we have for today. I really hope you guys enjoyed this discussion with Dr. Soraya as much as I did. I truly learned a lot and it was extremely interesting to gain deep insight from a professional. Please continue to check in on yourself and take care of yourself because there's only one you. Tune in on Sunday, January 17th for a new episode of Untold and Unknown. And remember, When we deny our stories, they define us. When we own our stories, we get to write a brave new ending.